scripture reading today comes from Psalm 131, verses 1 through 3. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its, with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Larson is a pastor and author, and he writes that in New York City, I don't know if it's still there, in front of the RCA building is a big statue of Atlas. Atlas is that bulk hulking man, and behind him, he's carrying a huge globe, sign that this perfect, strong man is carrying the weight of the world on his shoulder. And he shares this because he counsels people, and they come to him with stress and baggages, and he shows them that image on purpose, and he says, after showing them that image, he takes them to St. Peter's Cathedral on Fifth Avenue, a beautiful place during Christmas time. If you've never been to New York City, that's where you want to be. That's where Rockefeller Center is and all this window shows. But behind the St. Peter's Cathedral display, there is always this picture of a little Jesus, infant Jesus, and he's holding in his hand the world. And he shows them just those two images to say, which way do you want to live? Do you want to be someone who carries all the weight of the world yourself? Or do you want to let Jesus carry it for you? And so I think that's the question today for us as we come before God. We all have stress. We all have burdens. And we get to a point where we believe, I have to be stronger. I have to try harder. I have so much baggage and so much burden, so many burdens to carry. If I don't do it, the whole world will fall apart. And I think Psalm 131 reminds us this is the God who is in control and this is the posture of somebody who trusts in that God. Psalm 131 is the third shortest psalm in the whole Bible. Uh, it's only three verses. Some of you have just, uh, we could read it over and over again. But I think it's so short. Could we read it together? Ethan, could you go back to verse 1? Let's see. Let's read it together. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O oh Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. I mean, you hear it. You hear David writing this psalm. Uh, it's one of the Psalm of Ascents, the 15. We studied 121 last week. And it's the author here. It's clear. It's David. And the 10-second message summary of Psalm 131, if you forget anything else, it's this. Life is significantly better when we humble ourselves like a child before God. I know we know that, but we forget that. Life is significantly better when we remember to humble ourselves before God like a child. And so anytime we see this saying, childlikeness in the Bible, it's always pointing at these, this idea. Childlike faith is always humble, it's always trusting, and it's a dependence on God. Uh, how many of you love holding babies? Like 
anyone's babies. Like, I love babies. And you, the best part is when the baby, you, you, you know, someone lets you hold their baby, and the baby, this is what I live for when I hold the baby. The baby looks at you, you know, like kind of like figuring out what is this guy. And then this moment, they put their head down on your shoulder, and they just enjoy that. I mean, that, that's killer. That's I, this is why I don't need drugs. I don't need alcohol. I just need this, these simple things in life when a baby does that. And then there are times when babies look at you and they're like stiff, right? And they're like, they look at you and you're holding them like, oh. And these are like the aunts or grandmas who don't know and they're like squeezing the kid. The baby's like, no. And right? And then they just want to find their mom or dad. And so the image we get here is this childlike nature where we are just rested. And we're in the comfort and the embrace of God. We are calm. We are quiet. And so Jesus says in Matthew 18, 3 and 4, this verse, that truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This child like who has no strength of their own, so they depend and trust on an adult, their parents. There's a humility. They don't go, I know it all. There's a trusting nature. Now, just to be clear, when the Bible says that, God is not talking about that four-year-old throwing a tantrum in the middle of the candy aisle at Vons, wailing that he can't get a Charms, you know, or Reese's peanut butter cup and going, yeah. Like, and God does, God's not saying, yes, childlikeness. <laughs> what he's saying is when a child is being a typical child, you know, generally speaking, calm and quieted, so, in the ESV Bible, the heading of this section starts with this, these words. I have calmed and quieted my soul. I have calmed and quieted my soul. What a refreshing countercultural notion for today. I have calmed and quieted my soul. When was the last time you have calmed and quieted yourself? Maybe some of you go for hikes. Maybe some of you go fishing. But we, that's not really the typical practice of the Californians today, right? Calmed and quieted. Maybe you go to the beach. But the people that I know, 90% of them, when life gets hard, they go faster. They go harder. They just do not stop. They don't calm. They don't quiet. They are just like, let's bring it on. And it just escalates. Psalm 46.10 tells us, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Calm. Why? Because he is God. And God says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is so different from uh, the way I grew up in youth group. Uh, youth group, we had like lights, smoke machines, drums, and, like praise. Like, and so we thought worship is like just singing jumping loud. Oh, I feel God. It feels so good. And then I realized when you look at the Bible, what typically happens when the presence of God is around us, people, their mouths are closed. Their knees are bowed. They are just humble, prostrate, and they're just still. And we have developed a culture where we have to do something to worship rather than simply be. And so this is what Psalm 131 is saying, I have calmed and quieted my heart. 
Um, this past Friday night, we had a youth group activity, and it was really good. I think we should do it for parents and adults and everybody. We did a time management lesson and looked at our calendar. And so I did this intentionally. What, what does your schedule look like? And everyone was writing down, you know, video games, homework, read, piano practice, eat, sleep. And then the Bible study we did asked the question, where in your calendar do you make time for God? And half of them were like, oh. <laughs> to be fair, about four, three, four of them, you know, put devotional time. And that's us, isn't it? We, we're so busy being Christians or trying to be good moral people in America. We, we're trying to make good money. We're trying to make everyone happy, do a little good here and there, feed the homeless, feel good about ourselves. Great. But we're so busy, the question comes to you, where do you make time for God? Just you and God in your life. Uh, one hour of worship here. All right, let's say three hours, prepare, drive, go home three hours. Compared to how many hours a week? 168 hours in a week. Is that enough time for you and God? Um, maybe it's not the quantity, but maybe it's just the fact that every day we start five minutes with God in silence. I told our youth, read our daily bread. Just take a moment to say, God, before I start this day, it's you. I can't do it at home, so I do it when I drive in the car, um, listen to music. So Psalm 131, let's go right into it. David starts in verse 1 with this thought. I humble myself before you. That's his whole thing. He starts with, my heart is not lifted up, meaning I am not proud in my heart. My eyes are not raised too high. You know what that means? It literally means you look down on others. You have haughty eyes. You know, kind of give that look like, whatever. <laughs> Maybe the younger generation is the eye roll. You know, the eye roll is that disdain. Hey, go clean your room. That, that one little eye, it's sense of pride and rebellion. Um, it, it's powerful, by the way. It's, it says a lot. Like, if someone says, hey, can I, can I buy you lunch? And you go, what does that communicate? You? Like, it's, just, it's so arrogant. It's so proud. It's so rebellious. So David says, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not lifted up. And then he says, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. I thought that's a good thing. Like, that's why we go to college or study theology, academic, science. But that's not a good translation. The word here is saying, I do not walk as if I run this world. I do not walk as if I am the God of my life and I don't need you. The word concern and occupy is halak, which is to walk. And so they don't have pride in their heart. They don't have pride in the way they look at others. And they don't walk and live this life as if they're gods. I could do this on my own. And what David is saying in the summary is, I have humbled myself before you, God. I have calmed and quieted myself in humility before you. Um, there's, these are all three ways of saying it. And Eyes, he even mentions soul in verse 2, heart and soul. It's your whole being. And David is saying, I'm not just going to be compartmentalized in humility. My whole being is humble before you. Now, I want to say this. Uh, does God love everyone? Amen. Does God love everyone? Amen. But it's like, I'm going to be honest. Like, you know, I, you know God, parents love all their children, yes? But do parents have a favorite child sometimes? 
I don't. I love all three of my kids equally different. Um, <laughs> so my joke is, Michelle, you're my favorite first child. You know, Ethan, you're my favorite son out of all the sons I have. Um, and then, Jamie, you're my favorite number two. I can't believe. So, but, you know, so I'm saying that comically, but, you know, this is true. God loves everyone. Amen. But God does show extra favor to a certain group. Right? Loving everyone, giving his son to die on the cross for sinners, all sinners, out of love is one thing. But God does show favor. And the humble are extremely favored by God. They're not better or more loved. They're just, there's a favor. And so why are they favored? Well, there's a passive favor because humble people don't lead their lives in a way that would destroy them. Pride comes before the fall. You've, some of you have heard that. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. So passively, humble people don't live a life where they will self-inflict and destroy themselves. But actively, James 4.10, let's read this verse. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and what? He will lift you up. There's a favor there. What does God do to the humble? He's active. He's lifting them up. See, the pride are so busy trying to lift themselves up. I am important. Listen to me. Where the humble God's the one going, hey, your seat is up here. Look at this. First Peter 5, 5. Likewise, let's read together. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Why? For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I do believe God loves the proud. But what is he doing there? He opposes them, I think, in his love to humble them. And those who are humble before God, he gives grace. And so there is this idea that David is saying, why is David one of the most beloved? Because he learned humility. Now, you know, when you go to other countries, I don't think this is true. And as an American I, that I am, when you go to a different country and you ask them, hey, what's an adjective that comes to your mind when you hear Americans? I don't think the first thing that comes to mind will be humble people. I mean, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't, I hope I'm wrong, but when I hear, talk to Middle Easterners, Asians, when I talk to people in South America, hey, what do you think of when you hear Americans? Uh, cowboys, they're, 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 <laughs> they're crazy or they're wild, they're fun. But I never hear, I'm not sure we're known to be humble. And so, what well, David is saying here is, when life gets so heavy, I have to remind myself that humility before God is the beginning of everything else. And so verse 2, David continues. David declares in his complete trust to God, verse 2, this verse. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. That's what humble people do. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Uh, for those who are younger, weaned means, means what? The kids don't have to depend on their mother for milk. They've been weaned off their mom, so they're eating food on their own. So why do babies cry typically? Two, two reasons. They need the diaper change, and they're hungry. So when David says, like a weaned child who doesn't need mom for milk, calms and quiets with his mother, what David is trying to say is this. The child finds peace and security 
and just joy being in the presence with the mom. I don't need anything from you, mom. I just need your embrace. Being calm. And so translate that to you and me with God. When's the last time you just enjoyed God for God's sake, for who he is? We pray hard when we have sick people, when we need to get into that school, when the bills got to be paid. We pray hard when we have broken relationships or we have a big test coming up. But when is the last time we just sought after the presence of God just to say, God, I just want to be with you right now. That's it. This is what David's saying here. So as a society, you know, we want to do something. But David's saying silence, rest, and presence with God. This is what he seeks after. Um, when, you're, when a child, just picture, humor me, child's in his mother's arms. What does a child do when the baby just loves being in the mother's arms? Just describe what, for me what the child's doing. Si- silence. Laughing. Cooing. Some of you forgot the most important thing. Child better be breathing. <laughs> it just, just sits there and breathes. Just, just breathes. And, and, and this breathing idea, it, there's a calming nature to it. And I want to share something really amazing. This was a graphic uh, design that's been going around viral this year. It's a, clearly a picture of a lung. And the letters YH and WH is the Hebrew four letters for Yahweh, the holy name of God. It's so holy that, like, very Orthodox Jews, they don't even say these words. They say the Lord. They don't say Yahweh. And so over time, they added an A, and they added an E, so it says Yahweh. But what's interesting is, you know, breathing is such a critical part to life, obviously. That's an understatement. But did you know that breathing is the one common denominator in all exercises to reduce people's anxiety and stress. Every practice around the world that discovered how to calm ourselves down always associates with breathing. So a German psychiatrist, Johann Heinrich Schultz, discovered this auto autogenic training, this ability to calm ourselves. And listen to this. The approach is based partly on slow and deep breathing and is probably still the best-known breathing technique for relaxation in the West today. Let me read this line. In fact, every relaxation, calming, or meditation technique relies on breathing, which may be the lowest common denominator. It's interesting that our comfort, our calmness with God it's tied in with how we breathe. So I want to try something with you. And we did this a few times before. But there's many practices to breathing. One is you put your right hand on your chest. You put the other one on your belly. You can lie down. And you're just closing your eyes. And you're breathing in through your nose. Would you just do it with me? Until you're feeling your lungs fill up. And when it fills up, slowly exhale. And you should feel your st- belly and your chest rising. Do that again. And one last time. And just doing that three times resets something in our whole body system to calm you down. So do longer, 
And it's fascinating that our body physically is tied with our spiritual, and the way we breathe can bring us into a place of calmness, of re recognizing that we could handle stress in a very practical way. Now, just some of you who have been falling asleep during the sermon, wake up. Um, but the lady who made a commentary, I want to read. Her name is Susan Sandra Thurman Capor Caporelli, and she wrote this. Scholars and rabbis have noted that the letters YHWH represent breathing sounds. When pronounced without intervening vowels, it actually sounds like breathing. So with the ya, you inhale. And with the we, what are you doing? You're exhaling. So she so a baby's first cry, his first breath speaks the name of God. A deep sigh calls on his name. Even an atheist would speak his name unaware they are, their very breath is giving constant acknowledgement to God. Likewise, a person leaves this earth with their last breath when God's name is no longer filling their lungs. And she continues, so when I utter anything else, it's my cry calling out his name. Being alive means that I speak his name constantly. So is it heard the loudest when I'm the quietest? In sadness, we breathe heavy sighs. In joy, our lungs fill almost like they will burst. In fear, we hold our breath and have to be told to breathe slowly to help us calm down. When we're about to do something hard, we take a deep breath to find courage. Like, <gasps> here we go. When I think about it, breathing is giving him praise, even in the hardest moments. All of us, always, everywhere, walking, sleeping, breathing with the name of God on our lips. And what's fascinating is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the name for the Spirit in God is pneuma, which is also breath. I think it's not an accident that David finds his calmness and quietness with God in the way he breathes and just in the presence of God. All he has to do is simply to be still before God in that moment to breathe. Um, some of you are stressed. You guys are so wired up. Like I could tell by the way we walk, the way we look, the way we react to one another. Some of you get short. I get short. Like it used to be like, uh, it's fine to, what? Why did you do that? And we get really short and tense. And sometimes the way we find ourselves back to God is this calmness to simply breathe and to recognize God in the midst of this craziness, I call out your name. And the name of God, Yahweh, calms us. So the reason why a lot of us are not calm like a child is we fight. Uh, what's the opposite of a calm child? It's a fighting child, right? Hey, go eat your veggies. No! Some of us, we love fighting. We love fighting the world. We love fighting our neighbors. We love fighting God. And Psalm 131 is telling you and me today, surrender to God. Stop resisting God. Find rest for your soul. And here's where you find rest today. Jesus Christ gives rest to the weary. He is the God. Uh, there's a saying, some of you may have heard this, no rest for the wicked. Have you heard that saying? You know, that comes from Isaiah 57. And the, why do they have no rest? Why do the wicked have no rest? Isaiah 57, 20 tells us this, but the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up in mire and dirt. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord God Almighty. You know why there's no rest? You know why we can't find calmness? We're too busy fighting. 
Some of you are fighting your own battles in your own heads. The conversation at work continues. Conversation with your friends continue. Some of you are fighting God. Why did you make me this way? Why, why is this happening to me? And so the wicked are those who have rejected God, and they don't know how to find peace because the only source of true peace is to find reconciliation and peace with God. And so Jews understand this. Jesus understood this. And so David is calling out to us in Psalm 131. Calmness and quietness comes from peace with God. And so lastly, he ends this verse, he ends this whole thing with this verse. Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And so last charge to us is this. Be like a child, be humble. Find your calmness and quietness in the craziness of the world in the Lord. And then he charges us, Israel, find your hope in God. Can you just humor me in your own, close your eyes in your own selves. Say your name. So Jason, find your hope in God. So a lot of us, we have a family member whose family member, a church member whose family member is in the hospital fighting for life right now, surgery after surgery. And what we want to pray is, may you find hope in God. For those of us financially struck, families tearing apart, David saying to us, God is big. God is carrying you. Find your hope in God. And when we do that, we realize that hard work does pay off, but it doesn't take our life where we want to be. And also being lazy doesn't truly get you where you need to be. But having said all of that, the Bible tells us, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Uh, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. What that's telling us is, you could fight and work all you want. In the end, God is the one who guides us. God is the one who determines our steps. Instead of resisting God, find hope in God, is David's message as a child. So I want to end with this poem from um, Mother Teresa. And the reason why I'm sharing this poem is because a lot of us need a picture of what it looks like to do this. And then I'll just end with these words from Mother Teresa. And I'm like, wow, that is a child of God who finds security, hope, calmness, and joy to make a difference in the world without stress in the world. So this is what she writes. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the best you've got anyway. You see, she concludes, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. This is a child who trusts wholly in a God who is our parent 
who we find trust and security and strength, in whom we find rest. Let's pray. Lord, what a beautiful psalm. What a, what a very relevant psalm that we need to hear today. Thank God California is not as bad as New York. <laughs> but, Lord, we, we run at a pace and we get so lost in our schedule that we have no time to breathe, figuratively speaking, with you, to call out your name and to intentionally rest in your presence. God, I pray for the students, teachers, parents, adults, seniors, all of them going through different transitions in life, that at this moment will be a chance for us to remind ourselves we need to take moments with you. You are the living word and you are the breath of life. You give us life physically and you give us life spiritually through the spirit that dwells in us when we confess Jesus Christ. God, we breathe. We find hope. And as children, we find our embrace secure in you. I pray for our listeners here and people here that they would find rest and calmness through whatever storms may come their way in your mighty arms, revealed in the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and pray these things in his most holy name. Amen.